All right, well, we are going through this Jesus Dilemma series, and we are trying to get a little bit better of an understanding about who Jesus is. I mean, when we look at the life of Jesus, we see that his, uh, his life, is, and he is more well-known, he's more influential, and maybe even more controversial than any other person in human history. Uh, when we look at Jesus, I mean, we see that his teachings, his life, and even his death on a cross have impacted our society even today more than any other person. I mean, it was his death on a cross 2,000 years ago that made the cross one of the most widely known symbols in the entire world. If we look around, we see the crosses everywhere. Uh, Everywhere that we go, we see it. Uh, You see it in churches. You see it in hospitals. You see it at graveyards. Some of you may even have the cross on your T-shirt today. Or you have the cross, some of you ladies probably have one of those necklaces, you know, with the nice little cross on it. I mean, we see the cross everywhere. Uh, It's on tattoos, you know, for some of the guys with the big muscles, you know, flexing off their little tat right there. You know, we, we see them everywhere. And what used to be a symbol of death is now a symbol of hope. I mean, I think that if the cross was still like a symbol of death to us, I don't think that we'd be wearing around our necks like, I just love to display death to everybody around me. I don't think that we would. We wouldn't continue to have it. We wouldn't have it in our houses. But it's a symbol of hope. And I know for some of you, maybe church is new to you and Jesus is new and you're kind of like, that is weird that you would take a cross and like have this Jesus guy who died on it and it would become hope. But today, we want to ask the question is, what did Jesus accomplish by dying on the cross? I mean, why did he die? So let me pray for us, and then we're going to jump into this. God, I just, I I thank you today that we can be here, that we can uh, come to this place. I pray you would help us to understand just more about Jesus, to, to understand what was accomplished by him dying on the cross, to understand how it applies to our life and what it may even mean to us today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let me ask you all a question. How many of you, and you can raise your hand, got in trouble when you were a kid? How many of you, like half of you are raising your hands, the rest of you are liars, and you know it. I mean, all of us got in trouble at some point as a kid, and, and I'm no different than this. Uh, when I was a kid, I often did things that got me in trouble and got me spankings and groundings and sent to my room and, you know, eating your vegetables more and like all that kind of stuff. You know, you, you get these things that happen. And there was this one time when I was a little kid, I remember this, uh, my dad had these, these little toy guns from when he, was a, when he was a little boy. And you know they were really old because when you're a kid, your parents are like ancient, right? Like they're super old. So these guns were really old to me as a boy. And I'm sitting there and he's showing them to me, but he's like, you can't play with them because I don't want them to get broken. They still have value to me. I don't want to get them broke. I don't want to get them lost. And so those of you who are guys, or those of you who have little boys, you know when you tell a little boy you can't play with this, it's like open invitation to say, play with me, you know? So, so what do you think I did? Obviously, like, I took the guns, I go outside, and I'm playing with them, and I'm like, you know, I don't know what I'm doing, cowboying or whatever, and I'm out there playing, and my dad comes and finds me and catches me, and I get in trouble for it. And my punishment for this one, I still remember this to this day, it was a Sunday afternoon, And I remember that my punishment was to write two verses from the Bible over and over and over again. You guys want to hear these? Parents, you're going to love this. It's Ephesians 6, verses 1 and 2. It says this. Children, obey your parents. 
in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. Needless to say, I have never forgotten these verses, and I will be quoting them often to my kids as they grow up. But I remember when I was a kid, though, every time that I got in trouble, there was some type of clear instruction. You know, don't play with these guns, or don't go across the street, don't do this. And, and I would oftentimes know that there was a clear consequence for it. If you play with this, if you go there, if you go in the street, you do whatever, you're going to get in trouble. You're going to get spanked, you're going to get grounded, you're going to get whatever. But oftentimes, I still chose to disobey. I, I made the choice to still get in trouble. And as a result of my choice, <coughs> my willingness uh, to, to disobey my parents, I faced the consequences. And I remember many times, you guys may remember this, you guys ever have the walk of shame down the hallway to your room? You know, it's like your mom or dad tells you to go to your room and wait for me, and you're like, oh. And you're walking back there, and you're sitting on the edge of your bed, and you're just powerless, man. You're just waiting for your parents to come back and deliver the sentence and the punishment. And I remember many times sitting there, powerless in my room, just waiting, because I knew I had disobeyed. And when we look in the Bible, there's a guy that we come across and we read about. He's, he, he's mentioned at the same time that we see that Jesus is alive and is here on the earth. And in fact, it's the same time that Jesus is being put to a trial by the religious leaders for his claims to be the son of God. And we meet this guy, and he is kind of in a similar boat. Maybe a little bit more extreme, though, because he has broken some clear laws by the Roman government. And he faces some clear consequences as a result of his actions. And this guy is a man named Barabbas. His name is Barabbas. And when we meet Barabbas, well, the little bit that we know about Barabbas, I'll say this. We don't know a whole lot, but we know that he was a little rough around the edges. In fact, there's one verse in the Bible that describes Barabbas as he, Barabbas was a murderer. Like, so I mean, he's a little rough. Uh, historians believe that Barabbas was part of this group called the Sicarii. It's like this revolutionary group wanted to overthrow the Roman government. And what they were known for is they were known for carrying these small concealed daggers and then coming up and knifing you if they wanted to kill you. So, I mean, like, pretty rough dude. And he's sitting here, when we meet Barabbas, he is sitting in a Roman prison because he got caught. He got caught, and now he sits in prison. And he's sitting in prison on death row. Because the Romans, I mean, they were, they were pretty strict with this. I mean, they are pretty clear with this. Like, hey, you try to re rebel and revolt against the government, you're going to die. Enough said. It's done. And so Barabbas had gotten caught in this revolt, and he had gotten put in prison. And now he sits there in his prison cell, powerless to save his life. I mean, there is nothing that he can do to get himself out of prison. There's nothing that he can do to save his life. I mean, he knew the consequences before he chose to disobey the laws that the Romans had put forward. He knew what would happen. And now he sits powerless, awaiting his punishment, his death. He waits for the time when a Roman soldier would come, open his prison, take him out, and they would nail him to a cross and he would die. But what we know from historians and from archaeologists as they study the layout of Jerusalem where this is taking place is that the Roman prison was right next to the Jewish temple the place where the Jews would go to worship and and uh, where they would be at and where Jesus is actually being put on trial at this time 
And right there by, by the prison and by the, the temple is Pilate's house. Now, Pilate is the Roman governor. He's the one that is sent there by Rome to come and govern this region. I mean, he's the man in charge. And so the Jews have Jesus, and they are putting him on trial and going back and forth from the temple to Pilate's, and there's all this commotion. And a lot of historians believe that you could have heard all this commotion in the prison because of its proximity. And it just makes me wonder, like, if Barabbas is sitting there in this cell and he's hearing all this commotion, he's just wondering, what in the world's going on? I mean, does he know that Jesus is on trial? Uh, Does he know what all the noise is about? Or is he just kind of thinking, man, I hope it's not me. But we pick up in Matthew chapter 27 where we see the account of Barabbas and of Jesus being on trial. So if you have a Bible, you can open there or you can follow along on the screens. But Matthew 27, starting in verse 15, says, Now it was the governor's custom at the feast to release a prisoner chosen by the crowd. So what would happen is at every uh, pilot, the governor there in in this time, every time that the Jews had their Passover feast and festival, in a kind of a way that Pilate would do us to kind of, you know, get the people's goodwill, uh, something like this, kind of keep the peace, he would release a prisoner. He'd say, hey, who do you want? We'll release them. They'll be free to go, something like this. Yada, yada, it's my good deed to you. And so we see this happening. And in verse 16, it says, at that time, they had a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when the crowd had gathered, Pilate asked them, Which one do you want me to release to you? Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? For he knew it was out of envy that they had handed Jesus over to him. You see, Pilate had done this whole interrogation. He had talked to Jesus before this. He had asked him all these questions, and he knew that the Jews just didn't like Jesus. He knew this was like some kind of just religious quarrel uh, that really didn't affect him and Rome. And so... Pilate's like, you know what, I just want everything to be smooth because I don't want Rome to think I don't have things in control. Because, I mean, if you were a governor and you didn't have your region in control, Rome would kill you. I mean, they were cutthroat. They would come and just remove you. So Pilate's like, I don't want to lose my job, lose my head, lose my, you know, all these things. I just want to get this thing done with. So here's my custom, all right? Who do you guys want? You want Barabbas, the one who might knife you in the alley? Or you want Jesus, the one who's done all these miracles and, like, fed you? I mean, like, which one? And what we see in verse 20 Something interesting with this. It says, But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas to have Jesus executed. So here are these religious leaders of the day going around in the crowd of people that have gathered there and they are persuading them to say, ask him to release Barabbas. We want to kill Jesus. Now, I don't know how they did this. I mean, did they give him money? Did they give him threats? I mean, I, I don't know. But they persuaded the people in the crowd to ask for Barabbas to be released. And so Pilate goes on to ask, and he says, which of these two do you want me to release to you? And it says they all answered Barabbas. So then Pilate comes back and he says, all right. What shall I do then with Jesus, who is called Christ? And they all yelled out, crucify him. And so Pilate comes back, he says, why? What crime has he committed? But they shouted all the louder, crucify him, crucify him. 
I just sit here and, 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 you know, we've all seen mob mentality where there's like lots of people and this stuff just gets crazy and they're hopping around. You can just feel the emotion and the energy in this crowd as they all start to yell, crucify him, crucify him. And I can imagine that that sound had to just echo throughout the streets and echo throughout that portion of the city. And maybe even Barabbas is sitting in the prison and maybe he even had heard his name yelled in this commotion. He's thinking, all right. And then he starts hearing crucify him, crucify him. And he's thinking, dang, it's my time. But what we see in this is that after this happens, Pilate sends the the guards and they grab Barabbas. They bring him out and Barabbas is then set free. And here is Jesus taken and handed over to be tortured, beaten, and hung on a cross to die. I mean, you can't get more polar opposite people. I mean, Barabbas here is is guilty and deserving to die. Jesus is innocent and deserving to live. I mean, the only thing that Jesus had done is he may have been guilty of offending the wrong people. And when you look at these two different sides, you see one of them is even powerless to save his life, where the other one is all powerful, even having power over life and death. You see one that walks out a free man and one that walks out carrying a cross to the place where he would die. See, Jesus could have delivered himself out of this. He didn't have to give himself to die on a cross. I mean, if you, if you look at this, if Jesus is the Son of God, and if he did all these miracles that happened in the Bible, he could have called down thousands of angels to annihilate everybody. He could have caused everybody to go blind. He could have just disappeared. He could have flown like Superman. I mean, like, he could have done any of these things with just words. But he didn't. He chose to go to a cross. He chose to go to the cross that maybe even was Barabbas' cross. And he took his place. Jesus died and Barabbas was set free. Now, when we look at this story, this account of what happened in the life of Jesus, I can't help but think maybe it it actually applies a lot more to us than what we think. That maybe if this story was being told about us, that We are actually Barabbas, and Jesus is taking our place. And I think it's it's a lot of times, like, if we say that, you're like, what? And it's hard to connect with. It's hard to connect with, why would Jesus have to die in my place? I mean, Barabbas, okay, he murdered somebody, he's guilty, it's clearly, he's deserving it, Jesus takes his place, but we have a hard time connecting with it. That we are actually Barabbas. But you know, I, I think about this. I, I mean, if we are just honest and we look around our world, I mean, there's a certain sense and just level of brokenness that we see. We see it in our homes. We see it in our, on our streets, in our neighborhoods. We see it in our cities, in our workplaces. We see it around the world. If you just read the news this week, you will see brokenness and evil and these things around the world. And if we, if we got real honest and we look at our own lives, I mean, there's a certain level of brokenness inside each and every one of us. And it's not like we had to learn it, right? As kids, you don't have to teach a kid to be disobedient. You don't have to sit them down and be like, okay, when I say do this, do the exact opposite, okay? You don't have to do it. I mean, if you think that, you have never parented a child, right? Parents are like this, right? I mean, we learn at a very young age how to be disobedient. And when I look at my own life and I sit here and I kind of ask these same questions, I mean, 
I can look at my life and I can see that there's brokenness in my life. I'm no different than anybody else. I mean, I, I don't really consider myself a bad person or a rebel or anything crazy like that. But if I really begin to get honest and if I begin to look at my life, I mean, there's certain things that I see. One of these is that I see that I'm a liar, that I've told lies, that I've cheated. You know, there's this one time, give you an insight into this. This is kind of a funny one, but when I was in eighth grade, I went to a Christian school and we had to take Bible classes. And in our Bible class, we had Bible verse quizzes. Basically, you're supposed to memorize a verse and write it down and you turn it in. I cheated on Bible verse quizzes. I mean, think about this. The very book that says, don't lie, don't cheat, don't steal, don't do all these things, I cheated on it. Jesus said, don't cheat. Oh, that's kind of bad. So I'm a liar. I'm a cheater. I'm broken. When I look at my life, I see the fact that there is lust. I dealt with lust. I've dealt with pornography in my past. Like all these things, I'm broken. When I look at my life, I see greed and selfishness. I want more. I want more money. I want more, uh, more, a bigger house. I want all these things. I want, I, I, I lack generosity at times. I'm selfish. I mean, when it comes down to Thanksgiving and sometimes there's two pieces of pie left, I want the bigger one. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about? But it's part of my brokenness because I'm broken. I see pride in my life. You know, you get to sometimes stand up on stage and you're like, ooh, that sounded good. Did y'all hear that? Did you hear that last sentence just a minute ago? Nailed it. <laughs> and it's easy to get prideful. It's easy to get prideful about things that I've accomplished, things that I've done, or it's easy to get prideful in the sense of, I don't need any help with this. I can do it on my own. And it's because I'm broken. I see in my life, I see addictions. Maybe not drugs and alcohol, but maybe to success. Maybe to winning. Maybe to work. And I realize just the brokenness and I wear it. You know, like we, we all, I mean, you could all probably relate to this. Like if you looked at your life and you got honest, you could probably be like, there is skeletons in my closet. There's baggage from my past. There's things I even did today and I wear it. You know, we, we wear these things, this brokenness. We wear it, we carry it, it goes with us. And the Bible calls this brokenness sin. So when we choose to live for ourselves, we live in opposition to God, we live in disobedience to him. And the Bible says that, that our sin, that even the smallest stain of it, right, even the smallest little lie that we might tell and think isn't really a big deal, that it is enough for us to be considered guilty, just like Barabbas was guilty. You know, you think about this, what does it take for something perfect to become imperfect? Just one flaw, one minor one. And the Bible describes God's character and his perfection with a word called holiness. That it's that God is, is holy, that he is perfect, that he is set apart. And as a result of this characteristic of holiness in his life, that sin and, and these, these disobedience and this brokenness can't be in his presence. That it, his character won't allow him to tolerate it. And as a result, there has to be punishment. Just like a child that disobeys their parents and then they get disciplined. When we disobey God and when we sin and when we live in our brokenness apart from him, that, that we face the consequences. 
I remember for me as a senior in high school, I remember when I felt the weight of my sin. I mean, I wasn't like a bad teenager. I wasn't one of those crazy kids doing all kinds of stuff. But I remember understanding for the first time the weight of my sin. I remember understanding the consequences that I faced. I remember all these things and the weight that was there and the lack of peace from it. I remember the first time that I learned in the Bible and understood that what it says that we are deserving of God's wrath because of our sin. The Bible actually says that we deserve it. We deserve his punishment. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. That that's what I've earned. I remember feeling the weight of this and wrestling through it and lacking peace. And some of you are here today and you are in that place where you're lacking peace in your life, where you are, are, are bearing your sin, you're bearing the baggage from your past, you're carrying this. Maybe for you it looks different than it did for me, but you still carry it. You know from your past some of the things that you're not being honest about with your spouse, some of the things you lied about with your, your wife. You know some of the things that drive you, the greediness, the selfishness. You know some of the jealousy, the anger, the outburst. You know some of the pride that you carry and the addictions that you bear. The things that keep you bound up and weigh you down. And you feel the weight of them. And here we sit as a result of this facing death and punishment. And, and sometimes I think that, that when we talk about this idea of facing death, the wages of our sin is death, that we think it is so far away that we don't even think about it. Or that we think, I can't get that. I don't, that's not for me. But the Bible is clear that the smallest thing leads to death. It can be kind of a depressed place to be. But listen to these verses, what it says. In Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That God would look down on us in the midst of our brokenness, in the midst of our sin, in the midst of all these things, and he would say, my love for you is so great that this is how I will demonstrate it to you. That I will send Jesus, my son, down to come die on a cross for you. When you don't give a rip about me, when you don't care about me, when you're living for yourself, he will die for you and for your sins and for your brokenness. Isaiah 53, 5 says this. It says, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our inequities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. That Jesus went to the cross and he was pierced, he was broken, he was beaten, he was nailed to it, and he died so that by his wounds we could be healed. See, Jesus took our place on the cross just like he took Barabbas's. And Jesus died so that we could be set free. Jesus died so that we could be healed from all the junk and all the brokenness that we care. And the Bible tells us that Jesus died on the cross to bear our punishment and to bear our sin to bear our brokenness. That this is why Jesus went to the cross. It was for freedom. Freedom is what he accomplished. He died to be able to set us free, set us free from our addiction, set us free from our pain, set us free from the guilt and the shame and the things that just break our lives and break our relationships. He died to set us free from death. He died to set us free from punishment. He died so that we could be free. 
And the Bible tells us, the Bible tells us that, that if we would just believe in Jesus as the Son of God is, is dying for us, and if we would just receive the gift of forgiveness. I mean, it's like, it's like he is offering to us a gift of forgiveness, saying, let me take all this from you. That if we would just receive that gift, that then the Bible says that we could be set free and that we could be made new. That we, in our lives now, could experience freedom. Some of you, maybe in your past, you have things that have bound you up and you are still in bondage from them. You carry them every day. Maybe people don't even know about it. Maybe your spouse doesn't even know about it, but you carry it and you are bound up by it. It's the root of your depression. It's the root of of why you feel the way you do. But Jesus died to bring us freedom, to set us free so that we could experience freedom from our sin. He died to bring us forgiveness. You know what's so amazing is that the Bible tells us that that we were like scarlet, we were dirty, we were nasty, but God says, I will make you white as snow. A song we sang right before this, Oh, precious is the blood that makes us white as snow, that takes away our sins, that brings about forgiveness for us. The blood that then covers us so that that is now on Jesus and we can now be free and forgiven. The peace that we can experience that comes through Jesus. Some of you may be looking for peace. You've been looking everywhere. Looking in your job, looking in relationships, in your career, in traveling, in different adventures, all these things. And you lack peace. You can't find it. You search for it. It keeps you up at night. But peace is what Jesus died to bring to us, to set us free so that we could experience peace, to set us free so that we could experience hope in the midst of our trials, in the midst of our despair, in the midst of depressions, that we could have hope. Why? Because our sin is carried away. Our sin is taken. Jesus has covered it. Jesus has paid for it. And as a result, we have hope. Jesus died, and as a result of his death, the Bible says that we are made holy. You know the very characteristic that separated us from God, that left us guilty, that kept us receiving his punishment, that holiness character? That the Bible says that because of what Jesus did on the cross for us, that we can be made holy. That our sin is removed, that we can be made perfect, that we can stand before God free. The Bible also says that because of Jesus, we can become a child of God. That God doesn't just look at us as some servant or some little outcast person who's like begged for my forgiveness, but that he brings us into his family. The scripture says that it's like he adopts us as sons and daughters, that we don't sit out in the cold, but we sit at the table with God, our father, who created us. And Romans 6.23 said the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Jesus died to set us free. I remember when I was that senior in high school and I was dealing with the weight of my sin and I realized I was bearing all of this and I had heard and understood that that Jesus had died for my sin. And I remember coming to that point where I just said, I can't take it. I can't bear this anymore. I can't go with the lack of peace. I know these consequences are coming. And when I just said, Jesus, I said, I need you to take it. I need you to carry it. 
need you to take my sin. I put my faith in Jesus. I committed my life to follow him. And I can't tell you the peace that I immediately felt, the peace that was there, the baggage from my past was gone, the, the peace that came over me because now I had been forgiven. Now I had been set free and I could experience freedom. And some of you are here and you're so bound up and you're so, so much in bondage. You're like a prisoner, like Barabbas, sitting there powerless. And you're not sharing it with anybody and you're dying inside, but Jesus came and died so that you could be set free. The, the bottom line is that we can't make ourselves perfect. We can't do all these good things. We can't get back to God. We, we can't re, re, uh, get ourselves out of our addictions. We can't get ourselves out of our greed and out of our pride. We are powerless to do it. And that is why God would say, I will show you my love and I will send Jesus to come and die on a cross in your place for you to set you free. You know, when I was a kid, I had a choice. Would I obey my parents or would I disobey them and face the consequences? And for us today, we have a choice. When we look at this and we hear about what Jesus has done, we have the choice to one, believe in Jesus, to experience the love, the peace, the grace, the purpose, the things that God wants to give us through Christ. Or we can choose to reject Jesus. Say, no, man, there's no way I can believe that. I'm not that bad of a person. And we reject him. We push him away, and as a result, we bear the consequences on our own shoulders. The choice is yours. I mean, God's not going to force you to do it. The choice is yours. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, right before he died and breathed his last breath, he said three words. He said, it is finished. It is finished. And in those three words, he signified that, that the battle of sin had been won, that it was done with, that it was over, that it was a new day in human history, that it was a new chapter in our relationship with God, that you and I could be set free from our sin, that we could be set free from the consequences that we would face, that we could be made new. It was for freedom that Jesus went to the cross. And I want you to think about this. Think about your life and think about the fact that Jesus went to the cross. He died in your place to set you free and he died for your sin to say, it is finished. Some of you today, I mean, maybe you've put your faith in Jesus and this needs to be a refresh reminder to you of what Jesus did. You keep coming back and picking things off the cross and putting them back on your shoulders when instead you just need to say, Jesus, you took it, you take it, help me, make me new. I'm trusting you again fresh today. Maybe for others of you, for the first time, you need to sit there and say, Jesus, I need you to take my sin. I need it to be finished in my life. I need these addictions to be gone. I need these struggles to be gone. I need these baggage and these skeletons in my closet to be cast out. I need to be free of this. I need it to be finished. And I want you just to imagine, I mean, just think about your life. I mean, think about where you're at now. Think about where you've come from your past and just think about what your future could be like. Think about what the future for you, for your kids, for your family could be like if you would just be willing to come and say, Jesus, you died to set me free and I want to experience this freedom. I want to experience this forgiveness. Today is the day. And you could be set free from all this mess that's got you bound up. 
doesn't mean you may not still struggle in the future, but it means that Jesus has taken it to the cross and he's borne your consequences for you. And he will pick you up and continue to carry you. Jesus died to set us free. I want to ask everybody to bow your heads, if you would, and close your eyes just for a minute. Today, the Bible says that you can experience peace in your life. You can experience forgiveness and freedom. The Bible tells us that if we will believe in our hearts and confess with our mouths that Jesus Christ is Lord, that we will be saved. That if if we just come believing and committing our lives to him and following him, that, that we can have our sin forgiven, that we can be set free. And maybe some of you today are sitting here and you are bearing the weight of your sin and your brokenness, just like I did as a senior in high school. And you feel the weight of it. You feel it on your shoulders. You know the consequences that are coming. And you have a lack of peace about it. You're miserable inside. But here's the thing is that today you can have peace. Today you can be forgiven. Today you can be set free. It's why Jesus died. It's the whole reason he came. It's the whole reason he was the perfect sacrifice. To be able to be perfect, to be sinless, to be spotless, to be the son of God who would go to the cross, who would die to set us free. Today you can experience freedom in your life. And maybe if that's you, I just want to invite you just to to say to God, just a simple prayer in your heart. Maybe something like this, to say, God, I know I'm broken. I know I'm messed up. I know I need Jesus to take my sin. Would you forgive me? Would you make me new? Would you set me free? And I'll follow you the rest of my life. God, I'm so thankful for what Jesus did on the cross for us that you, and that you didn't just leave us out here on our own, all alone, that you didn't just, just say, hey, you gotta deal with it. It's your mess, it's your consequences, it's your actions. But that God, you would look down on us and have such compassion and such love for us that you would say, this is what I'm going to do. I am going to send my son, my one and only son to die for them, to take their sin, to bear it so they can be free and new. God, thank you. I pray today that you would just continually impact our lives and change our hearts by what Jesus did. I pray for those today that are here that that this is all new, that you would help bring them understanding, that you would show them that that you are real and this is true and that, that Jesus died for them. I pray, God, that you will just would just impact our lives through the life and the death of Jesus. We thank you so much for the sacrifice you make, for the way you take our sin, for the forgiveness that you give us. God, it's why we praise you. It's why we come and we sing. And we thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you change our lives. Thank you that you give us hope and peace. In Jesus' name, amen.